0: And so we're continuing this four-part series that we call the simple series. And this, in this series, we're describing and explaining in some t- detail that model of ministry that we're presently pr- pursuing here at Holy Cross, which is a model of ministry that's designed to help us be more authentic disciples of Jesus Christ and to help us help others become more authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. Indeed, being disciples of Jesus Christ and helping others to be disciples of Jesus Christ is the church's primary mission. Indeed, it was Jesus who famously said, and we sometimes refer to it as the Great Commission. We read about it in Matthew chapter 28. In fact, we read in Matthew 28 and beginning at verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. This is after his resurrection and before his ascension. And he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so since this is what Jesus wants us to be doing, he wants us to be disciples, and he wants us to help others be disciples, at Holy Cross we're attempting to make this our simple purpose. The primary focus of everything that we do, whether it's Sunday morning, or it's Saturday morning with the men, or Wednesday night with the women, or with the children, or with the youth, whatever the Context. This is our primary focus. And the process for accomplishing this focus, this simple purpose, is as simple as the purpose itself. Indeed, in order to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to help others become, we want to commit ourselves to this process and invite others to join in it with us. To give us a handle on the process, we've made this simple visual that you see on the screens there. Step one is worship God uh, regularly. In fact, we talked about that last week. The second step is grow together faithfully. Step three is serve others lovingly. And step four is be maturing in Christ continuously. In fact, if you look at the at the, uh, the, the, the visual there, you'll notice that you start at step one, you move to step two, you move to step three, you get to step four, and then step four takes you right back to step one. So it's not like you get to step four and then you say, whew, I'm glad that's over, we're finished with that. No, it is a process that continues. And so when you add a step, you don't dismiss a step or stop a step, you just keep adding and you continue to work the steps. Worshiping God regularly, serving others, growing together faithfully, serving others lovingly, and maturing in Christ continuously. Today we're talking about step two in the process. Grow together faithfully. Notice it's an imperative. Grow together faithfully. And notice that in step two, it's something that we do together. In fact, that's the first two words of the step. Grow together. Not grow alone or in isolation, but rather grow together in community. Indeed, uh, all of us are created in God's image and likeness, so we're told in the very first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis. And even God, if you think about it, is a community of persons. Because our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And even before... God created anything. The members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were living in loving community and continue to do so in, uh, uh, in transcendent of and involved in the created order. And so God is a community of persons. We're created in the image of this communal God And we are invited by this God into this God's fellowship. (laughs) It's interesting that the the, the, the God of the Bible, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do all things together. They create together. In fact, you can find scriptures that refer to the the Father creating and the Son creating and the Holy Spirit creating. Uh, They they sustain together. They, They sustain what they've created And together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they call us into covenant community with them. In fact, it's an interesting thing. There they are. They love each other, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then they invite us to share in their community. In fact, as one person said, the Christian life isn't about inviting God into your world. The Christian life is about being invited by God into God's world. (laughs) And God does what God does, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in community, all things together. And so God means for us also to grow together as he communes even within the community of his Indeed, uh, we are to grow together, not in isolation, but rather in community, not just facing forward, as we all are now, which is the general posture for worship. We're all facing, we're not facing each other, but we're all facing forward, worshiping God together, but also facing one another. In small groups, in settings where we can really see each other face-to-face, face, and make an impact on each other for the good. Even amongst those who are strong and some weak. In fact, the strong need to hear from the weak, and the weak need to hear from the strong, and those who are knowledgeable need to hear from those who aren't knowledgeable. What are the questions that they have? What are the concerns? What are the things that having difficulty wrapping their heads around? So that we can grow together in faith. Nicky Gumbel, who is a one-time a vicar at Holy, Prom- Holy Trinity Church, Brompton in London, in the Diocese of London, he said that big things often, often happen in small settings. Big things often happen in small settings, and that's especially true as it relates to discipleship. Or Howard Hendricks in his book, Living by the Book, and Howard Hendricks was a professor of mine when I was at Dallas Seminary, but in his book, Living by the Book, he said, you can impress others from a distance. You can impress them from a distance, but, you, but in order to really make an impact on others, you have to get close up. And it's by making, it's by making a spiritual impact on each other's for good that our lives are transformed. In fact, many of you will be familiar with the threefold uh, ministry motto of Holy Cross Church, and that is welcoming all, transforming lives, glorifying God. Welcoming all, transforming lives, glorifying God. And it's when our lives are being transformed and changed more and more into the image of the Son, that's when God is glorified in us. Dan Allender, in, his, in the film The Heart of Man, he said something interesting. He said, God isn't trying to get us to conform. Rather, God is inviting us to be radically transformed. Not to conform like, like being pushed into a mold, but, from the, but being changed from the inside out, transformed spiritually through truth and communion, both with God and with one another. And more often than not, real radical spiritual transformation takes place in these small settings that we're referring to. In fact, Jesus knew that. It's interesting, Jesus regularly met with his disciples, even potential disciples, in small settings. In fact, it tended that the big settings weren't, tended not to be very fruitful at all. <laughs> and, but the smaller ones tended to be quite fruitful. And so Jesus met regularly with the 12. And then out of the twelve, he'd, he had another group, the three, John and James and Peter, and he would take them and be with them and do things with them that he didn't do with the others. Jesus had famous conversations with singular individuals. That's a really small group when you only have two. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 comes to mind, and that was very transformative. And the apostles themselves continued this This process of making disciples that Jesus had passed on to them, meeting in large groups and then also, and very importantly, in smaller groups. And so I read uh, just a portion of what uh, Godson read for us earlier from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 41, and we read, And so uh, those who receive Peter's word on the day of Pentecost were baptized, and then we read, and they, and they the, the, those who were converted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. <laughs> wow! You mean they weren't just sort of interested? Oh, they were more than interested. They devoted themselves to it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the fellow believers, to the breaking of bread, which Very likely his code language for he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Likely a reference to the communion and the prayers. That was probably early on the prayers of of the Jews that they prayed. And it says, and awe came on every soul. Why? Out of the context of this devotion comes awe, because people are being transformed, (laughs) and awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, they were looking out for each other, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any as had need, and day by day they were attending in the temple, that's a big setting, (laughs) they went there to worship together, (laughs) And then they were breaking bread in homes. That's a small setting. And they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Notice the Lord added to their number. Day by day, those who were being saved. And so if we would grow as disciples of Jesus Christ, the process of growth and transformation will include gathering together in small settings. And so, step two in the process begins with those two words, growing together. But it doesn't happen automatically. You may have noticed that. Indeed, it, step two in its entirety is, grow together faithfully. <laughs> Indeed, spiritual growth and transformation doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't, certainly doesn't happen accidentally. Indeed, those who grow spiritually are deliberately, are deliberate, I should say, unfaithful about it. To do what they need to do in order to grow. In fact, it's not. It's not just on the pastor. <laughs> Somebody said, "You know, wow. Um, just think of what a great disciple Judas would have been if he had had a better pastor." <laughs> No, it's really a give and take, isn't it? Gregory Boyle, in his great book, Tattoos on the Heart, he said this, the slow work of God gets done when we're faithful. (laughs) Indeed, growth and transformation takes time. Kind of touched on that last week. And that's why we must be faithfully devoted to it. And someone else has written, people who are serious about something always seem to make room for it in their schedules. You may have noticed that. I always say in my house with the kids. And so, well, listen, if you, want to, if you want to know what's really most important to you in life, a couple of things. Number one, think about the things you worry about. You don't worry about things that aren't important to you. So, just think about the things that make you worry. Those are the things that are important to you. And then look at your calendar and see how you spend your time, and then look at your bank statement, see how you spend your money. And those things will tell you what's most important to you. And so, people who are serious about anything the writer says always make room for it in their schedules. And so, those who grow spiritually are deliberate and faithful about it. And they do it in community together with other believers, facing each other, looking each other in the eye, interacting with one another. And it's in small context that this can happen. Indeed, it's in the small context that we're able to do what we might call the one-anothers in the Bible. Are you familiar with the one-anothers? Right? John, we heard one one today from the gospel reading. John chapter 13 and verse 31. Love one another, sacrificially. If somebody needs their feet washed, help them with it. Don't ever say to yourself, well, that's beneath my dignity. (laughs) I don't have that like this one. I don't have the spiritual gift of foot washing. I don't know, did Jesus have the spiritual gift of foot washing or was he just telling us all to do it regardless of what our spiritual gift is? He was God coming human flesh and he washed our feet <laughs> and he didn't think it was too undignified. Love one another. Hebrews 3 and 13, encourage one another. That's the opposite of envying one another and being jealous of one another. Serve one another, Galatians 5 and 13. Ephesians 4 and verse 2, be patient with one another. In fact, the context says, be patient with one another as God is patient with you. Honor one another, Philippians 2 and verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, build up one another. (laughs) Indeed, Rick Warren in his uh, popular book, The Purpose-Driven Life, he wrote this, he said, over 50 times in the New Testament the phrase, one another, is used. Over 50 times. We're commanded to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, teach one another, accept one another, honor one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, and be devoted to one another. These are the family responsibilities, he says, that God expects us to fulfill through the fellowship of the local church. And then he asks the question, and so are you doing these? (laughs) He continues, it may seem easier to be holy when no one else is around to frustrate your preferences. (laughs) But that's a false, untested holiness. He says, isolation breeds deceitfulness. And it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we're spiritually mature if there's no one around to challenge us. But real maturity emerges where relationships exist. And that's the key to the one another's and doing them. It's the idea of reciprocation. You invest in me and I invest in you. And so church life isn't just about gathering together to get something, which is a a strong um, uh, default setting for us in the culture in which we live, where the philosophy is consumerism and the belief that the more I get, the happier I'll be. Church life isn't just about gathering together to get something. Rather, it's just as much about gathering to give something and be something to someone else. And those who are growing spiritually are doing so because they're committed to it. Because they deliberately do it and they deliberately resist any habit that might keep them from doing it. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews wrote this, he said, and this was a church that was being persecuted and they were being tempted not to come together because coming together was actually dangerous in their community and notwithstanding that, he says to them, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another even all the more as we see the day. He's talking about the day of God's return, as we see the day drawing near. Now, of course, I don't need to tell you that not everyone in the church is is growing spiritually. And that's not a new problem. In fact, it's a very ancient and old problem. In fact, we have reference to it in various different places, even in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers and he said, I I couldn't come to you and address you as spiritual people because you're not spiritual people. (laughs) I had to come to you as people of the flesh, as infants, as babies in Christ, immature is what he's saying. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it yet. Even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only as mere humans? (laughs) Or again, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 5, beginning at verse 11, he says, I have much to say about this particular subject that he was covering, but it's hard to explain it to you, since you've become dull in your hearing. For though by this time you've been in the church and you've been a Christian all of these years, by, by this time you ought to be able to teach these things. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And so, what to do? Well, I want to invite you to work the steps. <laughs> it's simple. And the first step is to make a priority of, of, of worshiping God regularly. Don't skip it. <laughs> we talked about the, the, the cumulative effect of just being here. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just show up with ears cocked and hearts open, eyes to see what God is doing and what God wants to say. And then to add step two, grow together faithfully. Bring your kids to Holy Cross children. Bring your, your students to Holy Cross teens. Go to Holy Cross men. Go to Holy Cross women. Or, or why not do this, I was thinking. Why not reach out to a friend or two and maybe invite somebody that you don't know so well um, and uh, set a regular time? To meet together, go at at one of your homes or in a coffee shop to check in with one another, to study some small uh, passage of scripture using the African Bible study method. In fact, we we use the African Bible study method here seemingly in every context in which we're doing spiritual formation. In fact, we have copies of it uh, out on the uh, on the table there where there's other materials of Bible study plans, reading plans and so on. And you can find it there and we have the, the method described on the front sheet and on the back sheet we have uh, several sample texts that you could use with your small group. Uh, but you read the passage three times, the first time someone reads it and everybody looks at it and maybe there's a word or phrase that pops out and so after you read the passage then you go around and say, well, Bob, Karen, which uh, which word or phrase stuck out to you? And then you share it with the, with the others that you're studying. And then somebody reads it a second time. And then after the second reading, then you go around and say, now remind us what was your word or phrase? Or maybe your word or phrase changed on that second reading. And by the way, what's happening is you're reading it, it's just sort of sinking in and you're saying, wow, look at that, I didn't see that, I didn't see that. And then you say, well, so what does that, what do you, what do you, think, what do you think that means? What? What what does it mean? And and what does it mean to you personally? And people share. And then someone reads it a third time, and if it's the two of you, you just go back and forth. (laughs) And you read it a third time, and then you ask this probing question, and so what do you sense that God is telling you to do? Because we don't want to just be interested bystanders and say, well, wow, that was interesting. We want to hear and we want to respond to what God is saying. So what is God telling you to do? Maybe he's telling you to think in a different way. Maybe he's telling you to act in a a new way. Or maybe he's telling you to start doing what you stopped doing or whatever. But you can sense as you're listening what God is telling you to do. And then after you've done that, then you pray together. You pray for one another. You share with one another what's going on and you pray for one another. And then maybe you also pray for others as well. And then you watch and see what God does because you have taken spiritual growth and your faith seriously. And so step one in our process for being and making disciples is to worship God regularly. And step two is to grow together faithfully. And next week, if you're working the first step, we'll see you again and we'll unpack that third step. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. It's somewhat flattering to think that you, you, you seek us out, Lord. You want to have fellowship with us. You want to pour into our lives. You, you want to see us safe. You want to... Guide us. You want to lead us. You want to give us wisdom. You want to be our our, our shield, our defender. You want to be our exceeding great rewards. But you can't be if we're not interested. (laughs) But maybe, Lord, you're moving on our hearts in a way that you haven't before to perhaps increase our interest and maybe even give us an interest up until this time we have not possessed. Do it, Lord, that you might be glorified in us as we are changed. And do it, Lord, for our soul's health, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.